Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media. All right, on today's show, we're sharing some urgent Facebook updates for marketers, including the cost of some ads are going up 30%. We'll tell you exactly what that means so that you can avoid it because it can be avoided. Also in ads, some consolidated targeting options to be aware of, a new metric for video that will be much more helpful than the longtime video views metric that we've had to rely on. And if Facebook groups are part of your strategy, a vague update that is happening soon, and we all need to just kind of be ready for it in the best way that we can. We'll fill you in on all of that right now. My name is Jerry Potter, host of the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a production of Social Media Examiner. We break down the latest social media news and what it means for marketers like you. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Today, I'm excited to welcome back Allie Bloyd. Allie is host of the Marketing Inc. podcast, founder of Allie Bloyd Media, a leading training and consultancy for small businesses that specializes in social advertising, and just spoke at Social Media Marketing World in San Diego earlier this week. So, Allie, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me, as always. Excited to be here. So, let's talk about this Facebook groups update, which is vague, but for those of us that use Facebook groups, it's got us a little bit freaked out. So, what do we know about this based on what Meta has said. Yes. So far, we know that they have depreciated the API related to the groups. And so what that appears to mean is that third-party tools are no longer going to have the ability to allow their clients to schedule posts or manage their groups through those tools. So it is kind of vague, as you mentioned. It does appear that you will still be able to direct message people that have messaged through the group. But again, they're not really giving much information on this. A lot of businesses are, are really freaking out. In particular, some of the businesses that have actually built their business around allowing people to better manage their groups. So I think if you do have a group, if you are using any sort of scheduling software, 
to put content in that group, this is definitely going to impact you. Yeah, well, and and scheduling tools is one of them. Streaming tools is another one. I have a tool where if I do a Facebook Live in a group, it'll pull it into this other tool that I have where then I can have it like inside of a hub. So there's, I mean, all of that stuff. And and I, I always think of like five or six Facebook tools that are in there, Facebook group tools. But at the same time, I know when you go in, if you've ever manually added a tool, there are hundreds, if not thousands of them. So I think the vagueness is what has us freaked out the most <laughs> about all of this. And uh, it's supposed to kick in in April. Yeah, they don't always give us all of the details about these changes or what these changes mean for either the businesses who rely on the tools to actually run their business or those clients that are using those tools as a big part of marketing their business. And, you know, it would be nice to get a little bit more of a clear breakdown of exactly why this is happening. I think that always helps. And what that will actually mean in, you know, day-to-day practice. But as as of now, I think people are kind of prepared for the worst in terms of what it means for them in managing their group outside of the Facebook platform. One of the things I overheard a couple of times at Social Media Marketing World this week was this idea that the data in these communities is going to be what's super valuable going forward. And so it kind of made me wonder if it's in preparation for that. Because the other thing, last time you were on the show, we talked about the tease that AI was coming to Facebook groups as well. Yeah. And so I wonder if that's kind of a lockdown thing. I guess you'd mentioned, you know, well, yeah, Meta does this. They like to announce things and not give any information. You and I have both been around the, the Facebook world long enough to know that. I guess my prediction, what I'm hoping is that at some point they'll kind of come out and they'll say, yeah, here's the new tools we're adding internally, but you will still be able to do these other things. You know, some of the stuff we're used to, like streaming yeah. with a, a stream yard or a ecam or something like that. So for sure. Well, on top of that, there are tools that we use and that my students use for audiences that are actually based on Facebook groups. And those tools can be very powerful in creating effective audiences, particularly if you have something that's kind of niche. And even if you don't have something that's kind of niche, I mean, Facebook groups are a great way to identify people who have interests in certain things. And so they can be very reliable audiences. We don't know if that's still going to be around. It would be great to know because this is something that I use regularly, that my students use regularly. But we're really going to have to wait and see is what it feels like. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on that and keep you up to date here on the show. By the way, if you missed Social Media Marketing World this week, our 11th annual conference was truly amazing. The presenters were incredible, including Allie. Attendees walked away with actionable items. A lot of them already taking action because we've seen it in the community around the event. If you missed the event, the recordings are available, but only for a few more days. This is the exact same content that people flew to San Diego from Europe in Asia and Australia, thousands of miles from all over the world. And you can be watching it minutes from now. If you'd like to get the recordings, go to socialmediamarketing.world, get access to all of the keynotes, the sessions, the workshops, everything that happened there. All of those will be included. And like I said, you can be watching in just minutes. Again, go get it at socialmediamarketing.world, but don't wait because this does go away forever starting here in a few days. All right. Lots of ads updates. Ali, you know, ads better than anybody. So first one we want to talk about is there were movings and, and consolidating some targeting options that people used to have access to. And this is all around topics that people are sensitive to. So tell us what's going on with these. Yeah. So again, they don't necessarily give us all of the details 
about what options are actually being removed. They say that they're around sensitive topics, things like health issues, race, ethnicity, although they've removed a lot of those over the last couple of years. So I don't really know how many more they can possibly remove, but they are doing away with a lot of additional targeting options. So this is a trend that we've seen consistently over the last couple of years. They are really pushing the advantage plus targeting, in my opinion. I think part of the reason that they are removing more and more targeting options is honestly encourage people to use advantage plus over those traditional audiences. It's hard to know, again, if that's really their goal, but I do think that that is something people will do more of because they don't have those same granular targeting options that we used to have. So it's hard to know if you're going to be somebody that this does impact. Ultimately, if those things are phased out and you've been using them, it's going to tell you that you've got to remove those targeting options to continue to run those ads. And so something that I always recommend to my students is when you are building your audiences, do it in the audiences tab and create a saved audience. Don't just build the audience inside of your ad set, because if you do that, you're going to have to go in and edit that physical ad and remove those targeting options. And when you do that, it's going to reset the learning period. It's basically going to start that ad over from scratch. And those same results that you may have seen from that in the past are no longer likely the results that you're going to see. Sometimes for the better, but most of the time it's for the worse. So the more that you can do to prevent yourself from having to edit those ads in Ads Manager, the better it's going to be for you. So being able to remove them from the audiences in your audiences tab will just update those ads without resetting them. So I think this is just one more reminder that that's really a best practice that people need to follow because they're going to keep removing things. I I haven't heard an update about them adding things in a very (laughs) long time, but I've heard so many about them removing options year after year. So just prepare yourself for those changes. Keep an eye on your ads. Make sure that if something is using an audience that has these targeting options in them, that you update that in the audiences tab if possible. If not, just make sure that that's something that you do moving forward so you don't have to be impacted by these changes. And based on what I've heard from you and other people who live in Ads Manager, you know, this advantage targeting, which is like their AI targeting, is just getting better and better. And so they must know that the results are coming out better in that way. Because if somebody uses manual audience targeting, doesn't get results, what are they going to do? They're going to spend less. Absolutely. And, you know, I will say we have seen great results in some accounts with Advantage Plus. We've also seen some results that are, are less than ideal. I definitely have found that the higher ticket businesses or businesses that really need to reach a higher income demographic sometimes don't see the best results. They may be getting leads, but the quality is not yet there. In part, I think it's because just like anything else, the data that your ad account has, the data your pixel or your data set has, the more it has, the better it's going to be able to do of finding the right people for you. But particularly with maybe newer advertisers who are just getting their ads launched for the very first time, 
That system doesn't necessarily know exactly who they're looking for yet. And so it does seem to take a little bit more time to get refined in terms of the quality aspects. But I I do think you're right. They must really be working to strengthen this because they make their money from people spending on advertising. So they really have a vested interest or they should in advertisers getting the best possible results. And so if they're constantly removing all of these detailed targeting options, they must feel like their machine learning audience technologies are really going to help people get the best results. Something that I've encouraged my students to do is just make sure that your ad is crystal clear about who it is you're targeting. And that's not just for audiences. That's really a best practice in general. But we know that they are aware of the language that you are using in your ad copy and even in the creative. And that's why some ads are going to get rejected based on certain types of verbiage. And so the more you can be clear about the specific people you're looking for in the ad, I do think that's going to help with the Advantage Plus targeting and that machine learning technology to get a better understanding of who it is you're looking for, especially if you are not a longtime advertiser. Yeah, some great tips in there. So if you are especially targeting people that are higher spenders or higher earners, go back and listen to what Ali said and make sure to take notes on that because that was great. All right, so let's talk about metrics that we can measure. The video view has always been three seconds on Facebook versus 30 on YouTube, which is a little bit more substantial. But now they're introducing a new video metric, which might be a lot more valuable. So tell us about this update. Yeah, so we are actually going to be able to track what is called an engaged view. So this is something that's going to be available in the attribution settings. Basically, we'll be able to see if someone plays a video for a minimum of 10 seconds or 97% of the video, if that's a less than 10 second video, if they convert within a day, we're going to be able to track that. And so this is really important because human behavior, especially on these platforms, it doesn't always go from that video directly to that purchase. People will see video content and they may convert, but it's just at a slightly later time. And they're scrolling on social, they're doing their session, and it may not happen instantaneously. But you still want to know if that video contributed to the conversion that came in, that's going to allow us to really better optimize our ads and make sure that our tracking is up to date so that we don't turn off a video ad that maybe just had some delayed conversions happening, but was a significant part of that customer's journey. I love that. It's perfect for consumer behavior all the time. I'll try and leave something open or I'll save it for later or the next day I'll remember. So it'd be interesting to see if they could allow that to be more than one day for attribution. This is available for all placements except Facebook in-stream video ads that can't be skipped. So that's good to be aware of. And then another thing, I think from the consumer side, I know I sometimes will find myself clicking an ad, you know, clicking a link. And then later on, it's like, ah, what was that thing? You know, I can't even remember what it was. And now they're introducing something that should maybe help get some more attributions and and more conversions for advertisers in that way as well. What's this update? So this is going to be a link history. Link history, I think, can be seen 
in some ways as a negative. I know a lot of people really want to make sure that they understand their privacy settings and that things that they're viewing outside of Facebook are not tracked by Facebook, but this is specifically within Facebook. So any of the websites that you have visited through Facebook's mobile browser in the last 30 days, those are going to be able to be tracked. So it's going to be off by default until you turn it on and you can turn it off whenever you want to, but this is going to allow you to revisit some of those links that you checked out, but maybe it just was not the right time for you to convert. It would definitely be interesting to see if people actually implement this. I think anytime you've got a setting that is kind of buried in there that people have to go in and turn on, you're not necessarily going to see as many people do it because they're just not aware of it. But I do think for a lot of us, we like the fact that we can find products and services on Facebook, on Instagram that we do want to purchase, but we're not always in the position to be able to buy right then and there. And it's very tough to go back and see what those things were that you viewed. If you close that ad out, when you go back to your newsfeed, it's not going to be there anymore. And a lot of times we don't even remember the name of the business that presented that ad to us. We may not even remember the name of the product. And so I do think this could be incredibly helpful. I think this is just another great reinforcement of why running retargeting ads is so important. People can engage with your content. They can show interest in your product and service, but it does not mean that they are ready to convert right then and there. And if we don't give them another opportunity, we're missing out on a potential buyer. So I do think this could be great for advertisers if the typical consumer knows about it and has it turned on so that they can go back and find those links. Pairing that with the engaged view setting could be a really great way to get additional conversions that don't happen in the moment, but we'll just kind of have to see, I think, how much adoption this feature really has. Yeah. I mean, I, hopefully they'll prompt people say, Hey, do you want to save the links that you've clicked on when somebody clicks on an ad? Cause nobody's going to go in and look for it. Like you said, but I, you know, knowing how ads work, there are times where I'll click on something and be like, all right, this will come up later in my feed, but I don't get retargeted. And so it's just, it's that same thing. And it's like, oh, I wanted to talk to my wife about this or, you know, whatever it might be. So, well, in another part of ads, a certain type of ad is going up 30% in cost. And we're not going to get into debate about whether boosted posts are ads or not in, in Facebook's mind and Meta's mind. They are ads. You are paying to reach more people. So explain to us why this is happening and how we can avoid paying this 30% premium. Yeah, so I think this one is really interesting. And I will say boosted posts can serve a place in your ad strategy. I encourage my clients and students to use their page posts as a great way to test out different types of content. We call this level one in the strategy. You don't have to use boosted posts, but this can be a great way to kind of get extra bang for your buck because you're already going to be posting content anyway. If you can put a little bit of money behind it, you're going to be able to see which pieces resonate with the biggest audience because ultimately without investing money in it, most businesses just don't get enough reach to get a big enough sample size to see if this is hitting the mark or not. And so small business owners are really the people who are using boosted posts more than anyone else. So Apple is actually coming out with a 30% 
service charge. And this is going to be through the App Store. So this is not a charge that Meta has implemented. This is a charge that Apple has implemented just due to the App Store guidelines that they've updated. And so what that means is whenever someone boosts a post from the Facebook or Instagram app, they're actually going to be billed through Apple, not Facebook. And Apple is going to retain a 30% service charge on that actual payment. And that's before any taxes or anything like that. Okay. They're saying, we've got to comply with this because this is not our rule. This is something that Apple is doing. But we also know that the majority of people that are using this feature are small business owners. And we really don't want to hurt those small business owners. So if you do it on your desktop, you're going to be able to avoid those service charges. So again, I'm kind of blown away that Apple is doing this, to be honest. I feel like 30% is very significant. And depending on how much money you're putting into it, 30% can be quite a bit. Even if you're spreading it out over a number of posts, it's kind of greedy if you ask me. But they're also going to be billing you up front. So the way that Facebook typically does it is you're actually billed as the ads run, as it spends. But now it's basically being prepaid to Apple with their 30% service charge. And then they're saying, okay, well, I hope you guys end up spending this money. You can turn off a boosted post before it's done running the number of days that you set it to run. So if you turn that off, you've already spent the money. And I guess you'll probably get a, a credit for future use. But I really find this kind of crazy, to be honest, that they're doing this. And businesses are just going to have to be aware of that. And if they're doing any type of post boosting, it really needs to be done on a desktop computer. Well, and my understanding too, is you can still do it on a mobile phone, but you need to do it in the browser at facebook.com or instagram.com. Not through the app. So anywhere but the app. And I guess it's just on Apple devices because again, this is not from Facebook or Instagram directly. It's through Apple. So if it is a part of the Apple app store, it's going to fall under that umbrella but you're right through the browser on your phone or through the desktop, you're going to be able to avoid those charges. Yeah. So just making a mental note, do not boost in the app. That's, and then, and then you'll be able to avoid all that. And I didn't see the part about getting charged in advance either. That's a great point of clarity too. So, all right. One of the great things I think that has happened over the last five years in social media marketing is it's getting easier to work with influencers. This natural looking promotion of brands tends to convert really, really well. And so the platforms have been making it easier to do that as well. And now Meta is doing the same thing with their creator management tools. So uh, tell us a little bit about this and how this can work for business owners and marketers. Yeah, so the creator management tool really sounds like it is more designed to help agencies than anyone else based on everything that they said. So this is to help creators and their agencies have a smoother, more streamlined relationship. So they're going to make it easier to get all of the access to that creator's brand, brand assets without having to share login credentials. It's going to make kind of that onboarding and offboarding process a lot easier. There's also going to be a new payout process where you can actually divide the payouts between the agency 
and the creator based on their contractual relationships, essentially. This also is just going to increase the security in terms of agents having access to those creator pages because if you are sharing login credentials with various people, that just increases the risk that your page or your account is going to be accessed by someone that you did not necessarily intend to have access. Sometimes that can shut down your page or it can get your ad account shut down. And so this is really designed to just make that relationship a lot simpler, a lot easier, a lot more effective. And again, it seems like it is very much designed to help the agency throughout that process by being able to get permissions, access, all of those things a lot easier, kind of linking together these two businesses, the creator business and the agency business, and make it easy to terminate the relationship without having to, you know, reset all of your login credentials. Yeah. Well, it makes it a nice, like the trust doesn't have to be as high before you start working with an influencer in this case, or with a brand, which is nice. And then for brands that create a lot of content, there's always that worry about your intellectual property getting stolen. I remember when I first started posting videos on YouTube, I'd see this happen sometimes. And so I do like that Meta is adding some new safety tools to protect our intellectual property if we're putting stuff up. So quickly tell us exactly what this is and what we're going to be able to do with it. Yeah. So this is just an updated version of the brand rights protection. And this is to help people really manage their intellectual property. So they have just kind of expanded on some of the reporting options that they have. They are making it easier to see how much content has been taken down or any trademark violations or counterfeits, things like that. So ultimately, I think if you are a larger brand, this is something that could impact you. For the typical small business owner or marketer, I don't know that this is going to have you know a really big impact. I think uh, I think maybe we lost Allie there. All right. Well, that was our last story anyway. So by the way, quick reminder that you only have a few days left to get your on-demand ticket, all the recordings of the workshops, sessions, keynotes from Social Media Marketing World. Just go to socialmediamarketing.world. Again, that's socialmediamarketing.world. And Allie dropped a lot of great knowledge today. So definitely look her up. A-L-L-I-E-B-L-O-Y-D, Allie Bloyd. And if you want to add another podcast to your listening lineup, we've got two for you to check out. One is the Social Media Marketing Podcast, as well as the Marketing Agency Show. Find those in your favorite podcasting app. And until next time, may you be wise with your marketing decisions. Thanks, everyone. Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.